If you'll please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 can be found on page 977 in the Bibles in the chairs. Our passage of study will be Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. This is God's word to us this morning, our daily bread. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Let's pray. Father, this is your very word spoken to us. And we confess to you that we lack the strength to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. So help us, we pray. Teach us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. When you become a a communing member of Cornerstone or any PCA church for that matter, you, you must take vows. You must affirm words, uh, questions that are asked to you and, and promise before the church as your public profession of faith that you will do certain things. And specifically, the third vow of our membership questions uh, state that you will endeavor to live as becomes a follower of Christ. In, in other words... Christians are called to live Christ-like. We're called to be godly. There is a way that we are to present ourselves. There's a way that we are to conduct our lives as Christians. Christians are called to live like Christians, as the Bible would define it for us. And so you'll notice here in Ephesians chapter 4, that the, uh, Paul's epistle to the Ephesians takes a turn. It, it changes course. Uh, in chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians, we studied in great depth the theology of the gospel. Uh, Paul took us on this majestic tour of the grace and the mercy and the sovereign love of God and what he has done for us in Christ. It's an amazing study. I want to go back and do it again. <laughs> but now in chapter 4, we're, we're going to go a different route. He, he has a different word for the Ephesian church and for us. And we're begun to see that how this theology of the gospel that we learned, how do we apply it to our daily lives? And so that's where chapter 4 takes us, applying the gospel very practically to our Christian lives. We don't dismiss all those things that we've learned before. The theology of the gospel is important. It, it is very practical. It's not just for seminary students. Uh, the, all of that theology, all of that doctrine is important because what we believe affects how we live, how we conduct our lives. Our theology of God and our understanding that we've been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone 
It informs us that all of our life, lives are to be spent glorifying God and Him alone. So now that we know that, now that we believe that, now that we have studied that, how do, how do we live? How do we live the Christian life? How do we apply the gospel to our daily living? And so that's why Paul says in verse 1, Therefore, in light of all the things that we've talked about, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Or, your translation may say, to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Godly living. Living Christ-like is the way we are called to walk. Christians have a walk. A walk in the Bible is one of the many words that Scripture uses to describe the Christian life. You may have heard that said before. How, how is your walk? Somebody may have asked you. How's your walk with Christ? Are you, are you walking with God? How is your walk? Certainly a walk can mean a stroll down the block to get some exercise. But here the word is used to describe the way someone lives, the way someone behaves. With this definition in mind, our Christian walk has a commitment to it. It has a destination. We're trying to get somewhere. So a follower of Christ, A disciple, someone who follows the ways and the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, is one who walks with Jesus. So our walk refers to the manner of the way we live our lives, our Christian living, what we believe, how we talk, our obedience to God, the way we treat others, all of it refers to our walk. So Paul says here that Christians are to Walk worthy. We are to walk worthy. He mentions this over and over and over in many of his different letters as he's encouraging different Christians in different churches throughout the ancient world. But specifically, we read back in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we study that we have been created for good works. That we have been created to walk with God and to glorify Him. We walk in good works. We, we do good works because this is how we glorify God. So those who are in Christ, those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, those who belong to Him are to walk worthy. In other words, we're to live godly lives. So let me ask you this morning as we talk about our walk, our Christian walk. How is your walk? How is your walk? Are you walking with Christ? Our scripture in the preparation for worship, Psalm 119, verse 1, illustrates this beautifully, as well as our scripture reading from Deuteronomy 10. We Read throughout the scriptures, we are to walk with God and walk in his ways. And I'm here to tell you this morning, there's effort in walking. There is a lot of effort in walking, especially in our Christian walk. 
those who have been redeemed by Christ, those who belong to him are called to walk. Many of us like to walk for exercise. We're also called to exercise our faith, which means we are to to grow in our walk, which means we are to use at all times, in as many ways as possible, the means of grace to grow in our Christian walk. God has given us these things to grow, to help us in our walk. Because the Christian walk is, it's a journey. We're on a journey. We're, we're pilgrims. We, we never stop walking. We never stop growing. We never stop pursuing godliness. That's why it's called a walk. We continue in it. We do this because Christians are called to walk worthy. This call to godliness, this call to Christ-like manner, is because of our calling, Paul says here in verse 1. You remember, or look, look there in verse 1 of Ephesians 4. There's that big word that we're always to take notice of in the Bible, and that's called therefore. So whenever you're reading your scriptures or studying the scriptures and you see that word, therefore, you need to always ask, what is the therefore there for? (laughs) What is Paul talking about? Well, he says, therefore, in light of, because of, all these things that he had written to them about, all of the first three chapters of Ephesians that teaches us about God's sovereign grace, his unstoppable power, his amazing love. Because of all this, Paul says, brothers and sisters, I urge you, I urge you, I plead with you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Paul has a lot to say about our calling. A Christian is a called one, one who has been elected, one who's been predestined, one who's been sovereignly chosen by God. We have a calling. And we have responded to the call of the gospel. God has sovereignly elected and chosen before the foundation of the world those who would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ. All of Ephesians chapter 1 speaks to us of this divine calling. This amazing love of God called predestination. We who are in Christ, we have a wonderful calling. We have been called. We are also the called ones. Christians are part of the ecclesia. That is the Greek New Testament word for church. And it means the called out ones. That's who the church is. The called out ones. We belong to God. We are to glorify Him with our good works and to to walk worthy before Him. Because our calling calls us to something. With our great calling from God comes a great responsibility. Our calling means something. It, It is to change our life. It is to show us that life is no longer just about me, myself, and I. 
But our calling means that we belong to Christ. We belong to him. We are in him. And we are to live for his glory. We live to glorify him and not ourselves. We're called to be disciples of Jesus. And we must walk as he walked. We must walk as he taught us. And so that's what he wants to encourage the Ephesian Christians about. That's the encouragement that we are to receive this morning. We are to, we are to be urged. We are to be motivated to walk worthy of the calling to which we have been called. So what is the Christian life supposed to look like? How do we walk worthy and live out our calling as the Apostle Paul says here? And so Paul will give us five characteristics, five attributes that a Christian is to be. This is what our walk is to look like. This is how we live out our calling. These things given to us in verses 2 and 3. These are imperative statements. These are commands. These are not suggestions for Christians. They're commanded. This is how we live the Christian life. This is how we walk with God. These attributes, these characteristics, they're, they're not original to the Apostle Paul. Jesus taught these very emphatically, very in-depth in his Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. So these are principles of our Lord Jesus that Paul is reiterating. And I want to say this morning, these, this, these attributes, these characteristics, these are not just for adults. Children, they're for you too. Children, this is how you too walk with the Lord. This is how you too live the Christian life, by following these attributes, these characteristics, these things that we are to be. This is how you live a godly life. So the first way that we walk worthy and live according to the calling to which we have been called is in humility. Humility. What is humility? Well, to be humble, to show humility, is to think low of oneself and highly of God. This is what biblical humility is. It's, it's putting the Lord God and, and others before yourself. Christians are called to be humble. I mean, think about it. Who are some of the most attractive people that you love to be around? Who are some of your best friends who are some of those ones that you aspire to be like but more often than not they're those who are humble humility is the opposite of pride children who showing humility is not bragging it's thinking of yourself less and wanting to glorify the lord and put others before yourself c.s lewis stated that the opposite of humility is pride the essential vice, the utmost evil, he says, is pride. Humility is the opposite of pride. So how do, we, how do we be humble? How do we show humility? If Christians are saved by grace and not by works, then there's, there's no room for pride. With all humility, Paul says, with all humility means that we are to place God's priorities and others before ourselves. That is how we show humility. 
Let me ask you this. Is all that you think about is yourself? Is that all you think about is you? Do you actually take the time to think of others? Paul says, do you want to walk in a worthy manner before the Lord and to live out your calling? Be humble. Put God and others before yourself. I think one of the ways that our lack of humility shows itself is by complaining. Oh, have mercy. We are a people that complain. And we have this wonderful tool that is so helpful to us in many ways, yet so harmful that we can just get online and we can complain until our fingers are numb (laughs) and burning from blogging, from tweeting, from social media. Just complain, complain, complain. We We are really good at complaining about everybody else but ourselves. I think this is one way that Christians can show some true humility is by toning down our complaining. How can we cultivate, though, this humility in our lives? How can we we be more humble? Well, I think one of the most important things that we can do, and where we must start first, is by reading our Bibles. Reading the Scriptures and, and believing what the Scriptures say about us. You want to see some humility? Here's what the Bible says about you. You are sinful. You are evil. You are a sick, fallen, and human being apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. You're a bad person. We are. This is, I don't tell you this so that we can kind of feel bad about ourselves and just, you know, go home and beat up ourselves. This is, this is so that we can see how wonderful the gospel truly is and how great Christ is and what he has has rescued us from. We were dead in our sins. Jesus made us alive. This should humble us. And so the first characteristic, the first attribute here is to walk worthy, to be godly, to be Christ-like, is to be humble. Or as my Grandfather used to say, humble. At some point we added the H back in. I'm not sure when. (laughs) The second attribute, characteristic, to walk worthy, to be Christ-like, to be godly, is gentleness. Paul took the time here to encourage the Ephesian church to be gentle. What does it mean to be gentle? To be gentle is to be be kind. To be mild-mannered, to be gentle-hearted, be caring. Children, have your parents ever told you that when you're talking with your siblings? Be gentle. My parents tell a story that I, they had to teach me that pretty often when I was very young. I have a younger brother that's just 14 months younger than me. But when he was born, I could really not even talk and started to talk as he was getting older. And I used to always want to mess with him and and hold him and pick him up. And my parents would always say, be easy, be easy. They were trying to teach me to be gentle. 
when I was so young and probably not too smart at this point, that I would go to my parents and ask them, where's Easy? I thought my brother's name was Easy. <laughs> He's not that way at all now. Uh, <laughs> we're called to be gentle. Other Bible translations may call this meekness. Jesus certainly said this, blessed are the meek. To be meek is to be gentle, to be peaceful in spirit. I believe this attribute of gentleness is one of the chief attribute that specifically men need to learn or relearn. So men, I'm going to talk to you for a minute. We're called to be gentle, to actually be godly, to actually be manly, is to be gentle. That's what Scripture calls us to. We need to be more gentle with our wives. Brothers, you need to be more gentle with your sisters. Loving toward them. Young men, you need to be more gentle with the way you treat girls at school. Friends of yours in the neighborhood, it is ungodly, it is unmanly to be rough with a girl. That's what Scripture says. So how can we be more gentle? How can we be more meek as we live the Christian life? Maybe you need to check your attitude with a co-worker. Maybe that co-worker would never think of you, would, would never even entertain Christianity because to, to them, your version of Christianity is someone who's mean and, and hard all the time and, and, and far from gentle. Maybe you need to check your parenting. Maybe you are really too hard on your children. Maybe you need to watch what you post on social media because it does not demonstrate meekness. There is a gentleness about Christians that should be noticeable to others. Others should want to be drawn to us. Through our gentleness. It's amazing. He takes the time to encourage them in this attribute. The third way we are to walk worthy, the attribute that we are to demonstrate, characteristic is patience. Patience. Whenever I, I'm, I'm the most impatient person in this world. There, I said it. Uh, I dare you to try to beat me. No, don't try to beat me. But <laughs> whenever I think of my impatience, uh, my parents, they still have this cartoon on their refrigerator. It's a little one-page, a uh, little one-section cartoon, and it's got a child on its knees praying. It says, Lord, give me patience, but I want it right now. That's the way I feel. That's the way I am. But what does it mean to be patient? To be patient is to, is to show humility. To show meekness and gentleness and calmness by enduring, by persevering. We are all, I think, to some degree, naturally impatient. We want God to act now. We want Him to do what we want, and we want it right now. 
but a Christian is called in their walk to be patient. And oftentimes God is teaching us patience, and it's not always pleasant. Think about those Ephesian Christians. Ephesus, we've said months ago, one of the most pagan, ungodly, sinful cultures and cities that you could ever be around. And so all of a sudden you have all of these Gentiles, these pagans converted to Christianity who are now walking with Christ. Could you imagine the the frustration that they were living in? Because things weren't changing enough. (laughs) The the, the culture around them wasn't changing enough. Maybe even their own lives and their own children wasn't changing enough. And Paul calls them to be patient. One of the main ways that we learn patience is oftentimes through suffering. Paul says in Romans 5, suffering produces perseverance. We are to be steadfast in our pursuit of the Christian life, and oftentimes this means being patient. How can we be more patient? How can we cultivate patience in our lives with God's will for us and with his will for others. How can we do that? We trust in him. We see that he is often a God who works through long suffering. He is a God who is patient with us. And oftentimes he is molding us and remolding us and refining us. And it takes time. We must be patient. I need to be more patient. I need to be more patient in my ministry, with my children, with the Lord's timing. We are all at a different point in our walk with Christ. And so often that means we just need to be more patient with others. The fourth attribute characteristic there is that of what I'm going to call agape love. He says there in verse 2, That our walk is to be one of love. We are to bear with one another in love. This means that sometimes we may have to endure wrong that's done to us. And suffer through hardship in our lives. This is what it means to bear with one another in love. Bearing with one another or relating to one another so that we do so in love. So how do we do this? We're to show our love to others by living a life that is greater than the life that this world has to offer. We show that we are living for someone beside ourselves. This is what love means. This is what agape love means. That's one of the four words of love in the Bible And this agape love is a love that demonstrates itself. It shows itself. It's a love that puts others before ourselves. Jesus demonstrated this love, that he so loved the world, God so loved the world, that he gave his only son. Jesus gave up his life to demonstrate his love. So how can we show that we are different? to a watching world. How can we be a witness? It's by 
bearing with one another in love. By showing that agape love. This is what it means to walk with Christ. The last attribute there, the last characteristic that Paul mentions is that of unity. We are to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You'll notice that all of these characteristics, all these attributes, they're connected to one another. They have to work together. The unity of the Spirit is given to those who are in Christ. And so we've spent plenty of time observing and studying that in Christ we're all one. We have a a oneness about us, a, a unity that is unlike any other bonds that we could have, even greater than your football team. Paul says we must be eager. We are to make sure that we keep this unity and maintain it among ourselves as we strive to live the Christian life. This is the very practical side of the Christian life. We're to show unity with one another. I mean, could you imagine Paul just saying, look, be... You got to be patient, guys. <laughs> You're getting at each other's throats. You're aggravating one another. But you need to remember that unity that you have in Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in you. That's a key part of our Christian walk is that we have unity with other believers. And we're going to study this unity, this oneness in more depth next week in verses 3 through 6. But if you are in Christ, then you have a a unifying bond with others who are in Christ as well. And that bond is special. It is unique. It 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 is deep. It is different. It allows you to go deeper in relationship with someone. It allows you to be able to work through difficulties with someone because you have the bond of Christ. So we must show unity. And so in these first three verses, in this very practical side of Christianity that Paul is teaching us, we are taught, in essence, that to live a worthy life, we need to make sure that we are, that what we are learning is what we are practicing. The theology of the gospel needs to be applied in our daily lives. The indicatives of the Christian life, the The commands, the imperatives, the things that we're called to to look at are to inform our imperatives. We are to cultivate these godly attributes into our daily lives because it is a very practical way of responding to the grace and the love and the mercy of God. And so knowing all of the theology that we've learned about the gospel helps us to live out the gospel daily. In our lives. This puts meat on the bones of gospel living. Patience, humility, gentleness, love, unity, all of these things. To live in a, an exemplary life, to live a life worthy of our calling, we must take this knowledge that God gives us in His Word and apply it and share it with others. This is what it means to be a doer of the word. James is very clear on this. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word 
but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. And so you've been told this morning to do some things. You've been told this morning to be some things. And so I exhort you to walk with Christ. Follow him and live a worthy life by cultivating these fruits of the Spirit in your life. Humility. Gentleness. Patience. Agape love. Unity. May God help us as we do so. Let's pray. Father, we lack the strength, we lack the, the power to live up to these standards. But you've given us that power. You have demonstrated your love. You have shown us that the power that raised Christ from the dead is at work within us. And so by the Holy Spirit, help us to think of others, to think of you more than ourselves. Help us to treat others as we would want to be treated. Help us to love others with the love and dignity that they deserve being created in your image. Help us to demonstrate the gospel, how we live our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.